0: Amen. Take your copy of God's Word this morning, if you will, and find the book of Ruth there in the Old Testament. This small little book, but significant little book called Ruth. We're going to look at chapter 1, the last verse, verse 22, and then move over to chapter 2 in just a few moments. There are so many things that we should give thanks for. This is a week in which we are intentional about stopping and saying, God, thank you. God, thank you for so many things in our lives. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the family, which even the ones who are visiting with us this week, right? Thank you for the family. Thank you for the friends. Thank you for all that you have given to us. We give praise to you. One of the things that we should be thankful for is that life always goes as we planned it. Right? Right? Certainly, your life has always taken the shape of exactly the way you had it planned. I mean, come on. You had plans for your life. You had plans for different circumstances and different situations, and it always worked out exactly the way you thought, correct? A few of you? No? Yes? Well, you know what? Life can go awry every now and then, actually. There can be moments where life will depart from our intentions, from our plans, now we've got plans. The Bible in Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 says many are the plans in a man's heart. I would say many are the plans in a man or a woman, a child, many are the plans that we have stored up in our hearts. We, we know a lot of things that we want to do, a lot of things we want to accomplish. We have plans. I mean, even this week, right? How many of you have, like, plans for this week? You have certain things that you've got to accomplish before people come in, before you see, before the meal's prepared. You have certain plans even this week. You have all these things that are stored up in your heart. But so often, life will depart from our plans, But that's when I am grateful to know this, that the writer of Proverbs says, many are the plans in a man or a woman or a child's heart, but it is the Lord's counsel, the Lord's plan, the Lord's purpose that will stand. In other words, the Lord has a plan. And the Lord is is at work in our lives daily. Now, in the book of Ruth, you see God, sometimes behind the scenes, you see Him working Uh, For the good of his people and for the glory of himself Last week we began in chapter 1 and we saw how life can turn bitter how life can take a detour from what? individuals thought would happen in their lives and life became very bitter for a woman named Naomi Famine had come in the land of Bethlehem. They went over to Moab unfortunately They went to the territory of the enemy because her husband, Elimelech, had led them over to that area. And through that, she experienced experienced grief beyond compare. Her husband died. Her sons died. She was left with her daughters-in-law. And finally, after hearing good reports from Bethlehem, she decided to return and to see what Bethlehem would have to offer. But it says as she came into the little town. Can you imagine this? As she came into the little town ten years later. People remembered her. They had gone to school with her. They had graduated with Naomi. And, and she hadn't been back to any of the reunions. She hadn't been back so they could see her. And now she walks in and they're like, Is this Naomi? Because life had taken a toll on her. I can't imagine how she must have changed. But ten years later... The town, Bethlehem, is stirring because of this woman. And Naomi greets them. Remember what Naomi's name means? It means pleasant, sweet. And she said, hey, don't call me Naomi anymore. Don't call me pleasant. Don't call me sweet. Give me this name, the name Mara, because life has turned bitter for me. Well, I am so grateful that in the moments of bitterness, God is still working. And I am grateful to know that when our plans go awry, His plan stands. And what I want you to see today is how Naomi and Ruth, how God leads them into providential fields, into the fields of providence. Now, I know when you saw that title today, some of you thought that I was talking about the Rustin football field come Friday night. The providential fields? the field where Ruston High is going to beat that one school of the south called Zachary High School, right? <laughs> Go Bear Cats. I know that's what you were thinking about when you saw that, but I actually want to lead you to the providential fields of Bethlehem because there in the providential fields of Bethlehem, you will see God at work. You will see His rescue. You will see how He brings relationship. You will see how He brings this renewing aspect to even Naomi's life. So join me, if you will, and walk with me through the providential fields as God speaks to us today. Beginning again in verse 22 of that first chapter, it says, So Naomi returned. So she comes back to Bethlehem, as I said, and Ruth the Moabite is her daughter, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now, they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So here they come. They're back in Bethlehem. They've heard that the shelves have been restocked. The famine is gone. And now feasting is about to take place because the God of the famine is also the God of the feast. Okay? God is going to work in people's lives eventually to bring this moment of provision and sustenance. And here Naomi returns to Bethlehem and the fields are ablaze. With crops. God has given abundance. And through these fields, these providential fields, Naomi and Ruth find a providential rescue. I want to stop here. I know we're going to look through chapter two in a moment, but I want you to see how God is providing salvation, how God is providing a rescue for one named Ruth and one named Naomi. I mean, they had experienced the days of the famine. They're coming back to Bethlehem. There's not much to be offered in Bethlehem, according to their perspective. I mean, they're coming back home, and yes, there's food, but I mean, these are two widows. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, even the New Testament days, these were the most vulnerable people of society. These are individuals that would struggle. There's not like a livelihood. There's not like an employment office that's going to say, we want to help you. As a matter of fact, they're going to come back, and it's going to be very, very difficult for them to even find provision in their lives. It's going to be difficult for them to eat each day. And I don't know if you noticed this about verse 22, but it says in verse 22 that Ruth, again, is a Moabitess. And just so you don't know what a Moabitess is, it says this one who is from Moab. You don't think that, she's, that the writer is emphasizing this for us? That she is an outsider. She is not part of the covenant community of Israel. And now she comes to Bethlehem, where you do find the covenant community. And somehow, she's going to look for provision. But God is going to take this outsider. And God is going to allow her to eat from the stocked shelves of Bethlehem. God's providing a rescue. Let me just say this to you. When you are in a moment of need, when you, as a child of God, when you see things in your life going awry, I want you to be confident in this, that God is always working toward your good and His glory. And God is always working out a plan of provision. Provision. Actually, I was going to save this till later, but I, I think I need to I think I need to insert this here. What is provision? What is the idea of providence? What is the idea that God is providential? Break down the word provision. If you were to break it down from the Latin, from whence it comes, you would find that vision means what? To see. That makes sense, right? Vision to see. Pro in the Latin Is a a preposition or so that means like before so literally when you say that there is provision it means to see beforehand when God is providing when God is providential it means that your God and my God can see beforehand and he takes care of the necessary arrangements so that you have what you need aren't you proud our God can see into the future Man, I I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I don't know what's coming the next day. But your God and my God can see into the future and He can provide exactly what is necessary for us. You ask Abraham when he was up on that mountain and was preparing to offer his son Isaac, and they're caught in the thicket. What is a ram? Because God knew exactly what was going to take place. And he provided the ram as the sacrifice instead of Isaac. Because God could see beforehand. And folks, I'm just going to tell you that there are rams in the thicket that God has prepared for us. Because he knows exactly what we're going to face. Our God, he's prepared the fields of Bethlehem. He knows that there are going to be needs in our lives. And he is going to bring us, as we awaken to what he is doing, as we see that the fields are alive, he will bring us back. And we can, experience, we can experience his true provision. We can experience a rescue. Here, God is going to rescue Naomi. God is going to rescue Ruth from certain desperation. And look how he's going to do it. Verse 1 of chapter 2, it says... There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. I'm going to come back to that. But as you're reading through this, it's kind of like, okay, Elimelech, I've heard that. Who is that? That's Naomi's husband. So here there's a relative of Naomi's husband. His name was Boaz. Verse 2. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. So the fields had been prepared. The fields were ablaze with all type of crops. But remember, Naomi and Ruth, they don't have any ownership of the fields. But God had made again a provision. He had made a provision of the least, for the least of these. For those who are widows, those who are strangers, those who are orphans in the the land, he allowed them to do what? Glean. The Old Testament principle or practice of gleaning. Now, what was this? Basically, what God had said in the book of Leviticus and in Deuteronomy is that the people, as they were harvesting crops, they were to leave the corners of the fields. Just kind of don't touch those. Just leave those corners of the fields. And then if you drop something as you're harvesting, just leave it there. And that would be provision for the least of those in your community. It was kind of like a welfare type of system, if you want to put it that way. Remember when Jesus and his disciples are walking along the road and they're reaching over and they're picking uh, grain. You remember that in the New Testament, and they get in trouble and old oh, people get all upset because of the Sunday, the Sabbath day and what was going on. It was this idea that as you walk through, you could, you could just pick you could just pick those pieces of grain up. It was part of your livelihood." So, so let me just say for you, this week at Thanksgiving. Uh, if you want to just uh, leave a lemon icebox box piled on your front door or something like that, that's good. That's those of us who are in need. We can find that and we can be blessed. But anyway, the idea was don't cut the corners of the fields. Allow the people to come. And that which you drop, you leave it there so that those who are needy can come along and they can glean. That's what gleaning was. It was to take care of the least of these. Now, Leviticus in Deuteronomy says you do this for the strangers in the land, the immigrants who have come through the land, in this case, a Moabitess. You do it for the widows, in this case, a Moabitess named Ruth. And you do it for an orphan. Now, I know she qualifies two out of three categories. You might even say because she's left her family, she's almost like an orphan. It's almost like she qualifies in all three categories. So God has made this provision. This is awesome. Because remember, a Moabitess wasn't even to have anything to do with the nation of Israel for ten generations from when Moses had spoken. But God had made a way. God had always makes a way. And God had made a way to bring in the Moabitus named Ruth, and to provide for her and to take care of her. But she did it very humbly. She did it so humbly. The Bible says that she went and she said, "After him in whose sight I may find favor." she wasn't entitled. She didn't come and say, "I got a right to glean." No, she came and humbly said, maybe I can find favor in somebody's eyes. Maybe I can talk to somebody. Maybe I can ask somebody. Maybe I can find favor. The favor of a sovereign, the favor of a king is usually what this word speaks of. But Ruth says, I just want to find somebody that maybe I can find the favor. There in the providential fields of Bethlehem, God is going to rescue this young lady god is going to rescue her mother-in-law a woman named Naomi the providential fields well let me go back verse one again it should send off bells in your head if you've read the story and then you get to verse one of chapter two and it says that there is a relative of Naomi's husband of the family of Elimelech in um, Verse 3, it says, And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Elimelech. Why is this important? Boaz is a relative. Does that mean that he's going to be there to help out? Yes, maybe so. As a matter of fact, if you think of the way that widows were supposed to be taken care of and different families, if your husband died... Now, this is this is really going to, some of you, it's going to bother a little bit, okay? But just Old Testament, okay? If your husband died, then you were hopefully going to be able to marry his brother. It's called leveret marriage in the Old Testament. That's the practice. And that the brother would take care of you and the brother would have children and they would bear his brother's name and all of this kind of stuff. It's crazy, right? Weird? Yeah, that's not even something you want to think about today. But this was the way in which God was going to take care of the widows. So, if you had a brother. And that's the reason Naomi said, hey, there are no more boys. Remember when Naomi was trying to get, her, get them to leave? Naomi said, and if would you wait even if I could have children? Now, she was about probably 50 years old. And um, she's like, if I could have children. She said, would you really wait like 15, 20 years for them to get old enough to marry? Would you really do that? So there was this levirate marriage, but there are no brothers. No brothers left. Well, then it goes to the kinsman. In the Hebrew, it's goel, the the kinsman, the kinsman redeemer, the relative. Now, that's not the word used here, but it is the word that will be used later, that this is the kinsman redeemer. This is the one who can come and he can marry. He can buy back his relative's property because this is the one that can provide. So in this case, when you're reading, I know it's weird today, but when you're reading in this time, in this place, a relative, that means there's opportunity for relationship. If it's a relative, kind of like certain states, I don't have to name them, do I? Where like if it's your cousin, like that's your first option. Here there is a relative, a relative that is going to be That is going to figure into this relationship. See, in the providential fields, when God brings Ruth into this providential field, she will find a providential relationship. I love verse 3 because it said, and she happened to come to the part of the field. She happened to. One commentator says, you could translate this, her chance chanced upon because of the way the Hebrew is written. Somebody else said you can translate it. The happenstance that happened to her was just a stroke of luck, huh? Ah, oh, no. It wasn't luck. It wasn't luck that brought her right to this field and to the very part of the field that was Boaz. It was the hand of God. It wasn't just a happenstance. It wasn't just a chance it was god's it was god's providence his his ability to see beforehand what ruth would need and who she would need to meet and it was god guiding her the whole time it is god at work it is his orchestration aren't you grateful aren't you grateful for the providential fields for the places where God can see beforehand and he puts the right people in exactly the right place so that exactly the right moment occurs to fulfill his purpose and his plan. Someone has said, you can look at it this way, you have the precepts of God. Those are the declared points of God, the declared will of God, the precepts here. So you can read through it and you can say, God, now I need to know what the plan is for my life. Well, you know, you can read this and you can get the precepts, the principles. There's so many things that God tells you, this is how you do it, right? See, I I actually think 90% of God's will, at least, is found right here. That he tells you exactly what you ought to do, how you ought to act, what you ought to say, where you ought to be. I think he gives us the precepts. So what I say is... God, I know, I know your precepts, and I obey your precepts. But then there's the providence, where you may not be able to see. Obviously, you can't see like God can. And that's where you come to God and say, God, I know and I obey what you've said here. But when it comes to your providence, God, I trust and I believe. I believe you've got a plan for me. I believe you're going to work that out. God, I can't always see because life seems to go awry, but God, I believe you can take all this stuff and you can gather it up and you can use it for my good and your glory. And then that is the plan. Where God knows and God accomplishes. God works, he accomplishes. As John Piper said, God is plotting for the very glory of Ruth and his kingdom. God is planning. God is purposeful. Sometimes you cannot know the providential will until you've passed that moment in your life. Have you ever been able to look in the rearview mirror spiritually and be able to say, oh, yeah, God, you were doing that. God, I didn't reckon. God, I thought it was a tough moment. God, but now I see what you were doing. When we returned to Bethlehem, I couldn't begin to tell how you were going to provide for me. And how you were going to take care. But God, now I look back. And now I'm in the fields and I've met God. Now I see. I say to you that there's a providential relationship here that takes place. Providential relationship. And the biblical writer is looking back in time. And he's talking about how here... here, God introduces Ruth to a guy named Boaz. In verse 4, it says, Now behold, Boaz. It's kind of like to get your attention. Now behold, Boaz. He comes up. This is a divine moment where God is intervening, and he's about to put Ruth and Boaz in a relationship together. Hey, those of you who are in certain relationships right now, You felt like God's hand was behind those? Those of you who were married? Those of you, you ever felt like God was the one who was working? I hope you do. I hope you believe that God was providentially working to bring the two of you together. Hey, wasn't it just his providence that that he put, God put a little brown-eyed girl in my morning kindergarten class? I think so. Now I'll be honest. I said this uh, I think last week or so. It wasn't like uh, she and I gave each other notice too much for quite a while. As a matter of fact, there were uh, less. There were there were times of uh, there were times of heated disagreement. Would you say that coming through the years? Not much has changed. But uh, there were moments of heated disagreement coming up. We were seniors. In high school. We'd gone to a. Beta convention. In Biloxi Mississippi. And all of a sudden. God seemed to turn my heart toward her. I remember that. I just remember. Looking back. Seeing how God put all those things together. You know in just. Uh, what. A couple three months. We were all going to go on our own way. Yet God. Did something, put Leslie in my life, put me in her life in a sense, a new sense of relationship. And then through these years, how grateful I am that God was working in his own way. I've never doubted that. And I hope that you don't. I hope that you know that when you walk into the providential fields, God has a relationship it may be. Uh, it may be for some of you who are not married yet. It may be a place of where God's going to prepare you and give to you. Now, obviously, God didn't say you you had to get married. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, He says singleness is a gift. It's a gift. So some of you, you may not marry, but those of you who will, God, God's provided that person. God has that person that's there. Those of you who are married today and you're sitting by these, God had a plan and a purpose to bring you right where you are. And you know what? This Thanksgiving, you, may all, you might ought to stop and say, God, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that opportunity that you brought into my life. Thank you. Because God's hand is on this. Oh, and it's a, I told you last week, it's a beautiful love story. Ruth, when you look at her character, she is faithful. She is humble. She is hardworking. Guys who are not married, you need to find a hardworking woman. She is godly. Boaz, he is honorable. That word in verse 1, it says a man of great wealth. It actually, that, that word is so ambiguous, it could mean a hero. And when you look at Boaz, you're thinking, hero. Is he a hero? He's he's going to be like a hero. He's going to be the rescuer that comes to bring Ruth out of certain demise. But he's also a man of substance. He is godly. He is good. He is gracious. As a matter of fact, look. It says in verse 4, Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. Wouldn't you love a boss that came in like that attitude every day? The Lord be with you. In other words, you can see the godliness, the generosity in who he is. And notice how they respond because they know this is a good boss they have. They answered him, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. And then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? He sees Ruth and and immediately he takes interest in her because God has ignited something within his heart. He says, tell me who this young woman is. Verse 6. So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Uh, She's Moabitess. And just again so you don't forget this, that means she's from Moab. All right? So she's outsider. She's a stranger. Verse 7. And she said... Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in her house. Did you see that, by the way? Hard working. Mention that? Hard working. Verse 8, Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter. Will you not? Do not go glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. See his generosity. He says, don't go anywhere else. Stay right here. As a matter of fact, cling to this field. In verse 9, this idea of staying in the field is clinging to the field. Just like she had clung to Naomi. In uh, verse 14 of the first chapter, same word, it's like cling to the field. You like stick here. You stay in this field. And nobody's going to harass you. Nobody's going to bother you. They better not bother you. As a matter of fact, you can drink when you're thirsty for what the guys have brought with them. Verse 10, so she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner. She sees the grace here. I know in a couple weeks I'm going to talk more about this, but let me just say this here. This is a beautiful picture of the Lord providing for us, taking care of us, giving to us when we never deserved it. And how we should bow on our knees and give thanks to him. Because you and I were foreigners from the kingdom of God. And what did he do? He brought us right in through his grace. Why have I found favor? Verse 11, Boaz answered and said to her, It's been fully reported to me all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Oh, the commitment and faithfulness that you've shown has already been reported. And Boaz answered, he said to her in verse 11 and then verse 12, He said, The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. God's wings of protection. They're here, they're taking care of you, they're working for your benefit. Well, In verse uh, 13, she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Verse 14, Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here, eat of the bread, and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. First date. He said, Would you come? Oh, no, we're going to have other people. Come and Come and eat. Come and enjoy. Come sit down. Let's, let's, let's eat together. This meal, this fellowship that's here. You remember your first date? Uh, let me say, you remember your first date with the person you're with now? You remember that first date? I, I remember our first date, Leslie. I think I remember our first 10 dates because we went to the same place every time. McAllister's. I was a big spender man. <laughs> one of the reasons we went to the same place, there was another girl with us, one of Leslie's friends, and she always went with us. She was my friend as well. We'd been in kindergarten all the way up together, and we went out, she always went with us. And we'd say, I'd say, Leslie, where you wanna go eat? She said, I don't care. I said, okay, well, I don't really care either. I'd ask Dana, our friend, so where you wanna go eat? She said, I don't care. I said, all right, well, let's go Mexican. Our friend in the back said, I don't really eat Mexican. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I don't know. Where you want to you go? You want to go uh, over here and, and eat at this uh, No, I don't eat that either. You told me it didn't matter. <laughs> so it ended up for the first 10, 15, 20 dates. I don't know. We went to McAllister's every time because that's the only place Dana would eat, you know? So that's where we went to accommodate her. But I remember, you remember the first date? Here they're sitting down. They're enjoying each other's company. And get this, she even gets to take a doggy bag home with her. It says she kept some back. Verse 15: When she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded this young, his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Don't you, you better not mess with her in any way. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. He likes this girl. He likes this lady. You give her extra. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. She beat it out before she took it home. And what a harvest she had had. Conservative estimates say that she had 30 pounds. Some say she had up to 50 pounds. Again, that's a hard work. That's a strong young lady, isn't it? Because in the providential fields, you also find providential renewal and refreshment. When God leads you in these fields, he rescues you. When he leads you into these fields, he finds a relationship for you. He provides for you through a relationship. And he also provides renewal. You got to love this. You got to love it as we close. Just, just verse 18. She took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother in law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. I love this because Naomi went from a state of bitterness to a state of blessedness. Remember, she said, Call me Mara. Life is better. But oh, how God has worked in this woman's heart. And he has healed the bitterness and he has shown her the blessedness. She said, blessed. I didn't know if I'd ever hear that word out of Naomi's mouth again. And there's some of you in here today that have experienced bitterness in your life. And I'm going to be honest. Blessedness, it's not found a place on your tongue in some time. But I want you to hear God can take your bitterness and he can turn it into blessing. He has the power and he has the strength. And here, she says blessed. Oh, I love this. never had really noted it before, but did you notice the writer never used the name of Mara to refer to Naomi? Now, she told all the people of Bethlehem to call her Mara, but the writer, he just keeps saying Naomi. Naomi, because even when you feel like the world is turned against you and the God himself may be, may be opposing you, I want you to hear, your name has not changed. He has not looked at you and called you bitterness. He still sees you, and he knows the pleasant work he can do in your life. Here it says, blessed. Where have you been? She told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and she said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. Naomi said to her, see, it's almost like Naomi had forgotten this. Because when you get in bad times, all you can see is the bad stuff. You can't remember there's hope out there. It's difficult, isn't it? She had forgotten there's a kinsman. She had forgotten there was a redeemer. When you get at your worst point, you can't see all the good stuff. All you can see is the difficult stuff. But listen to this. She says, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Boaz. I would forgotten about Boaz. He's a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. That means that things are about to change. Things are looking up. God's in control, and God brought you right into that field for this purpose you got to love it when a plan comes together. Even when it's not your plan. When it's God's plan. And you see it coming together. His kindness. The word there is for covenantal love. In the Hebrew, it's hard to translate it. Because it, it is the covenant love of Israel. The covenant love of God for Israel. It is the, the tender mercies. It's the steadfast love. It is, it is that, that God is committed to his people always. And here, Naomi, who had experienced all this bitterness, she said, Oh, it is his kindness to the living and to the dead. In other words, to us, but also God is remembering. He is remembering the testimony of my husband and my sons. He's about to re- renew us and revive us and our family. Verse 21, Ruth the Moabitess, oh, there it is again. She just, just keeps getting identified as the outsider, the stranger. She said, he also said to me, you shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with this young, his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. The fields of providence. The fields of providence. God had all this prepared. God had seen beforehand. He put it all together so that he could work this plan out. As we approach Thanksgiving... So we think of the great harvest. We think of how God is blessed. Should we not stop and say, God, thank you for your hand of providence. That even in the toughest days of my life and I couldn't see you or I couldn't hear you, you were still speaking and you were still working. God, thank you for being there for me when I couldn't be there for myself and when nobody else seemed to be able to help. God, thank you for your plans. Those of you this morning who've wandered into the fields of Providence, you didn't even know what God was going to do when you wandered into this field. But now you start to see. As a matter of fact, some of you may have come here this morning. You just wandered into this field. You just Somebody invited you, somebody whatever. And yet, let me tell you, God has a purpose and plan for you to be here today. Maybe it's just the purpose of you hearing that God loves you so much that he sent your, his only son, Jesus, to die for you and to be resurrected. And if you'll give your life to him and commit yourself to him, guess what? He will save you like that and provide you a relationship like no other. You wandered into his field, but it was God's hand directing you all the time here this morning. I encourage you during this moment of commitment to give your life to Christ if you never have. Some of you who are going through bitter moments now, I pray you would use this moment of commitment to express your trust and your faith in God who is able to take your bitterness and bring blessing. And some of us who've been there and done that, who've seen it, may we bow before him, the one that we have found favor with, and may we praise him for doing what only he could do in our lives. My friends, thank you for walking with me this morning through the fields of Providence. May we praise him collectively. Together. let's pray father we come to you and we are grateful because there is no part of our life that has escaped your attention your work even your blessing and God I come this morning on behalf of my friends who are here in this place there are some certainly have experienced bitter moments, tough days. God, would you show that you are working all things together for the good of them but also for your glory. God, there's some who have wandered into this sanctuary and Lord it's literally become an opportunity of grace, an opportunity of salvation for them. God, I pray that they would begin a relationship with you as you were speaking to them, as you were drawing them. God, I just pray now we would see your providential work and we would praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name.